Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm pretty excited to get to like speed bag that fucking depleted team like the sabers without taylor hall <laughs> yeah yeah especially and with the- like how many sabers tokens the bruins have left this season they should be cashing those in <laughs> for sure um Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 37 of season two, the Patrice Bergeron episode of Bruins and Bruins, uh, the Hockey Podcast Network podcast presented by Bruins Diehards, sponsored by DraftKings, and I have a little thing to read. Oh, we're a drinkable podcast you can taste. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all of the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every I forgot dunk, the second line. <laughs> assist means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasies, and now is the time to get in on all the Daily Fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. DraftKings payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app and use code THPN during sign-up this week. DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. Boys, what... Nice. Avoiding nice. copyright with the uh, with the cutoff there. Very nice, very nice. Um, what a day it was today, and I suppose last night with the uh, news breaking in Boston. Boston Bruins have landed Taylor Hall, Curtis Lazar, and why am I blanking on the other guy? Mike, Mike Riley. Riley. Thank <laughs> you. We got Taylor Swift Hall, Curtis. I don't have a good nickname for Lazar. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Mike, not Morgan Riley. There you yeah, go. We'll work on nicknames. <laughs> the official list. Become naturally, yeah. It's important stuff. You can't rush that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, so I guess we could – well, let, let, let's do beers first. Routine is uh, necessary. We've been, we've been forgetting them. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cam, how about you start us off? Yeah, uh, I am drinking a bright red kind of maroon beer here in honor of uh, Chris's UMass. 
your yeah. 2021 men's na- ice hockey national champions. Shout out UMass. Uh, you know, I, I didn't back them in the semifinal game. They proved me wrong, and I was I was right to jump on the wagon a little late, but better than never. Uh, anyway, this is a subsurface smoothie sour with raspberry from Hitchhiker Brewing Company in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, actually, going uh, outside of Boston and outside of New England, uh, hand-delivered by uh, my girlfriend's sister, and also came with this bad boy for any of you watching on YouTube, a uh, yeah. fine wooden beer holder here. Uh, my girlfriend's sister does woodworking really well made and check this out Chris sure the jury even got the THPN ad here at the bottom so well, true to form they better not dump us then <laughs> yeah uh, also got some nice coasters which I did not have important for the proper beer drinking experience uh, probably gonna post this online anyone in the Pittsburgh area who might be listening check out handmade by Healy on Instagram really cool stuff uh, everything from cool beer holders to uh, like full-on patio furniture uh, all handmade and stuff, really cool stuff. Anyway, this beer, I love a good sour, as anyone who's listened to the podcast knows. This is a smoothie sour, so it's thicker. It's got like a little pulp to it. Uh, I'm getting my coronavirus vaccine tomorrow morning, so I figured I should get some fruits in me, you know, get get hydrated and all that. So, uh, Good beer. I like the flavor a lot. Very rich and good smoothie sour. Got a little bit of a, uh, not a milkiness to it, but definitely thicker. Uh, drinkability on the lower end. Definitely for a sour, uh, probably like a ten. Uh, taste is right up there though. I'm giving it a uh, a thirty-seven on episode thirty-seven here. Good stuff. Good shit. What you got? Uh, I think we got a repeat here. I'm pretty sure I've done this before, but uh, abnormal hazy dreams. It's a hazy IPA. Um, yeah. Taste, um, there's not a whole lot to it, so it's a little little fruity, um, not super hoppy. Uh, we'll give it uh, 19. Um, drinkability, as far as IPAs go, um, pretty damn drinkable. Uh, we'll give it 29. Nice, nice. Once again, I have a Corona premiere. Because I like to be boring. Um, I gave it a 47 on the last episode in terms of drinkability because we had a uh, Mallory on. But uh, <laughs> suck it, Cam. You're going to have to uh, give it a 37. It Cam stays missing out on great Mallory episodes. <laughs> and taste is pretty low because it is a premiere. Well, I'll give it a, an 11. Oh, should we just send Mallory ready. a link to this? <laughs> yeah, let's get her on. I'd, I'd like to talk to her at some point. That'd be nice. <laughs> um, uh, I guess for both of you, since we got some repeat beers, I'm really looking forward to the official Nick Lanciani Bruce and Bruins accountability beer chart uh, where he's going <laughs> to stick it to us for our absolute <laughs> lack of, of discipline when it comes to rating beers. But <laughs> here, Here's my thing. Uh, I think how you rate a beer, highly subjective, obviously, and depends highly on what mood you're in i agree it's kind of like a it's like a fancy stat you know when we give it a rating it's like the expected drinkability per 60. it's not always going to hit there per 60 sips there (laughs) per per 12 ounces or 16 ounces depending on what you're drinking or 24 24. if you're like mallory and ripping crowlers which you'd love to see on the podcast um 
but 32 ounce crowler yeah 32 wow all right then never yeah. mind yeah you really love I, to see it but uh, I, I don't anyways, think it was on the know. recording but i did inform her that she was not the first person to drink a 32 ounce beer on the podcast she had to uh, yeah to take that one from her she's had a good enough yeah. month it's all right you can <laughs> oh it's all right but yeah let's hop into some bruins talk uh you know there's not much going on so i guess we'll skip the bruins talk uh now taylor hall I guess we'll just start with the big name and Curtis Lazar is in that trade, but I think the main attraction is obviously Taylor Hall. Um, mm-hmm. Like, the, I feel like the Bruins like got away with murder in a way, like it, compared to all of the other trades that felt a little more even. This was the most lopsided, I think. Ooh, I don't even know if the other ones felt even. I think the others were pretty lopsided in terms of return that seemed absurdly high, like. Um, Nick Felino, totally fine player, um, you know. I, but I think kind of maybe overrated based on uh, he had that one or he had like a one or two year stretch of being like a really solid offensive player, and also obviously a captain um, has a little bit of playoff experience. But you know, I think that stuff's probably the overrated stuff. Defensively, really solid should slot in really nice on a third line but um yeah by no means worth a first round pick uh and then david savard i mean i guess if you really need help on your blue line defensively david savard really solid defensive player but gives you almost nothing maybe negative on the other side of the ice and uh tough to there was a lot there were a lot of moving parts in that trade too. So it's hard to be like, it it was a first round pick for David Savard, but essentially the Leafs gave, or the uh, lightning gave up a first round pick and got David Savard. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think at the beginning of the season, we were all kind of cold on Taylor Hall being like, maybe we don't want this guy for whatever he's going to command. Lo and behold, you know, he always wanted to be here uh, and you get him for, half price at the end of the year and you know we didn't really need him to get here uh to this point so and and definitely gonna want him for the stretch run so i think an ideal situation um obviously you you want to have that little time to gel before the playoffs start but you know that's that's here he's gonna get here quickly he's driving um excited to see him suit up yeah absolutely my uh experience with this trade was kind of weird um, I was just <laughs> kind of hanging out last night and, uh, I actually wasn't like stuck to Twitter. Like I usually am for, for most deadlines and uh great friend of the pod, Mikey Radigan jumped into a DM with us and told us that there was a one for one trade and, uh, very much on brand for Mikey, the trade that he proposed, uh, or announced rather was a one for one deal between the Bruins and the Sabres. It was a uh, Shrek for Taylor Hall. Uh, so he sent that, and I just kind of was like, ah, oh, that's funny, you know what I mean? And like, kept talking with Mikey about other stuff, not realizing that the Bruins have actually just acquired Taylor Hall. And mm-hmm. then uh, my other friend had texted me, who's an Islanders fan, was like, hey, congrats on Taylor Hall. And I was like, wait, what the fuck is going on here? And I jumped over, and I was like, oh, shit, we actually got Taylor Hall, um, which was a little concerning at first until I saw the return. And then I was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, you know, I stopped to shit on Andres Bjork. He's a player that I, I have rooted for in his time in Boston and um, thoughts going out to Lauren Campbell right now. I'm sure she's got some, some mixed feelings about this <laughs> yeah. one. Uh, another great friend of the pod. But 
uh, the number the number one Anders Bjork stand on on I think she did Earth, like, really. I think she did like my tweet that uh, I sent out being like, you know, I'm sad to see Anders Bjork go because like, yeah, dude, dude never got a fair shake on this team and had some bad injuries at at the wrong time. And I, I think at the early outset of his and Jake DeBrusque's careers, they were kind of considered on the same level of prospect, and yeah, it was kind of a. a crapshoot as to who was going to emerge to be the good player and turns out it was uh neither of them <laughs> yeah i think yeah i'm not gonna i feel bad say this but i'm not gonna miss bjork like i don't think he, he brought like this key element that's like okay we're gonna make a cup push we need a bjork um so in that sense i think it's fine i think and we've talked about the Bruins trade assets before. And I think Bjork was always in there. Even DeBrusque as of late was in there. All those young guys um, were not necessarily like pushing to trade them, but their bargaining chips here should be willing to part with guys like that. And they were, uh, I'm surprised it didn't take a first to get Hall. I thought it would take a lot more, um, but apparently part of that's just him really wanting to come to Boston and had that, that no trade clause or no movement clause that he had to waive. Um, in order to get here so and, and yeah so it wound up being a first a second and a third for all three players or sorry bjork a second and a third for all three players uh the bruins bjork, got i believe was a fourth round pick so if you want to extract yeah. out there all right all right there we go a second a third and a fourth yeah um yeah i think that's just incredible work by sweeney i mean I really thought they would overspend for a player and needed to overspend for a player to make a real yeah. cup push. But I mean, they got what they needed without uh, over overpaying, which most teams do at the deadline. Yeah. yeah. It's tough to, it's tough to watch like the first few deals come through and maybe and feel like the market's been set. Like the, this is the market now. And, and that happens every year. Um, and then Sweeney will go out and do the like, uh, Marcus Johansson trade in the Charlie Coyle deal. And, you know, sometimes he'll give up a little too much for a player that doesn't end up being too impactful. But I think that happens uh, to a lot of GMs. And I mean, I would rather do these kinds of deals than uh, overpay for players in the off season uh, for free agents that, that can tie up your cap for, for a lot of time. And, and I think the, we haven't even discussed the the Mike Riley deal and uh, I, the Curtis Lazar part of this deal, really. But I think those are those are two shrewd parts that have, you know, tangible effects on on the team in the future. I think I think all these deals or both of these deals really could have positive impacts on the future of the team because beyond this year, Taylor Hall has said he would love to be with the with the Bruins in the medium term, I guess he said for the next few years Mm -hmm. Um, and having that, that commitment already and, you know, being able to see how this guy fits in, in in this short period of time before uh, being able to offer him a contract and, and already having this pretty awful year behind him um, to maybe drive his price down a little bit. I'm (laughs) guessing he's not getting $8 million a year for, from the Bruins for the next three years. Um, that's helpful. Um, and, and you get to know whether you want this guy in the future. If he absolutely sucks with David Krejci, uh, 
see you later, man. Like we don't need you next year. Uh, it's not going to help. And also kind of gives you an idea. Like if he absolutely meshes with Krejci gives you an idea like, Hey, Krejci, maybe you want to resign. We're going to resign Taylor Hall. Maybe you want to finally have a winger for the next couple of years and uh, end your career here. Um, and then, you know, the, the Mike Riley deal, um, I, I always love just like getting a player that is at the end of his contract because, you know, uh, I feel like hockey players are really simple people. Um, they don't really want to move their shit. Um, but if, if a team shows interest in them, they're willing to usually willing to sign with that team. I mean, we've seen it with, you know, trading the rights to an under unrestricted free agent, like, uh, 90% of the time that player will sign with that team. And I'm sure there's probably some negotiation going on beforehand between the team and that player, even though it's not technically allowed, but um, those guys are, you know, hockey players are like weirdly loyal in a way that like if a, if a team expresses interest in, in a player, they'll, they'll generally show some sort of loyalty to that team. And, you know, by, by dealing a third round pick for Mike Riley, who, seems to be a really good maybe underrated play. I don't know if he's underrated but un- underknown player because he's spent some time in Ottawa and um has had a really good season but also uh his fancy stats look really good over the past few years and looks like he'll be a really good addition to this team um but that's a guy you could potentially re-sign for next year and address some of those depth issues on the left side that have have really been a problem since the injury bug kind of hit and uh and not to speak for way too long but the the curtis the curtis lazar part of the deal i think uh i saw a few people talking on twitter about like look at this guy's cap hit for next year he signed for yeah. year at, at eight hundred thousand, and i feel like that's the type of guy who meshes really well personality and playing style wise with a guy like trent frederick and if you can sign that guy up for another year and maybe uh, save some cap space on the Sean Corrale deal um, and not, not re-signing him, uh, you have yourself another fourth liner that, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about that money uh, on the table there. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you touched on a lot of points there, but um, something I do want to kind of jump back to is like just kind of our discussion that's been ongoing about Don Sweeney and, and the Bruins kind of the state of the Bruins in general. I mean, I think it's funny that over the last few weeks, we've heard a lot of this like Don Sweeney and the hot seat talk and probably a lot more amplified on Twitter than any, you know, the Bruins weren't about to fire their GM um, necessarily in the middle of the season. Who knows what happened beyond this, obviously, but um, he went from, from that to, you know, riding higher than any GM, I think coming out of the trade deadline. And uh, look, I mean, we've been saying it for a while for, for weeks and maybe even months at this point. Uh, going back that this is kind of it for, for the main core for the Bruins. And uh, especially with how things have been the last few weeks with injuries and kind of some inconsistency up and down the lineup. um, I was really just kind of on that board where it was like, we've got to do something. We've got to buy or sell. And um, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily high on the idea of selling off with some of the talent that we have, but I also didn't think that a deal like this would be, when that presented itself. Um, so credit to Sweeney for finding it, obviously, uh, as we've come to learn over the past however many hours, uh, the context had a lot to do with it with Taylor Hall really seeking out Boston. 
Um, but look, at the end of the day, like he is a player that, while having a tough season, um, obviously has a lot of potential upside and addresses a lot of the needs that the Bruins have on that second line. He's good on the transition. He can move the puck a lot. Um, you know, obviously we got to see what the lines look like when people are healthy, if people are healthy. But up and down the lineup, this is the first time this season and really even dating back to last year where I've looked up and down the Bruins lineup and confidently said, like, if they can stay healthy, big if, this is a team that can legitimately make a run for the Stanley Cup this year. If you look at how things shake out, obviously we've got a long time to go before into the playoffs, but this is a team that top to bottom can be a force right now uh, if things shake out well. But I, again, credit to Sweeney for finding the deal. Um, I think I'm looking at like a projected lineup, which again, this is very iffy depending on health and stuff, but if they keep that first line together, you're probably looking at David Krejci with Taylor Hall and Craig Smith as a second line, which, you know, you can move around some pieces there. Nick Ritchie, who it's obviously like five is, first names on that, on that first. Yeah. Line. A lot of first names there. I'm not going to flat out say two like elite first lines there, but at least like that could be a first line on some NHL teams between Krejci, Smith and Hall. Um, and then dump it somewhere like Nick Ritchie, who, Granted, had a great start to the season, slowed down a little bit recently, but was not somebody we necessarily wanted to like really lean on for goal scoring, and has been a bit of, of a surprise there. Sticking him with somebody like Charlie Coyle and and Carson Coleman, which I think would be a just ridiculous line as far as a four check goes and just pressing teams could really wear people out. And then look, pushing somebody like Jake DeBrus down to a third line, and I know they said he might be the one to jump over to the right side uh, if you want to work in some other players, but. I think taking even more of that pressure off the brusque and having him be somebody who really is is get in the zone, you know, try to force some turnovers because he can dig in those dirty areas sometimes. And uh, again, not really rely on him for scoring like the Bruins have had to, which obviously hasn't worked out. It really does add a lot of depth to the lineup. Um, and then just going back to Taylor Hall, I mean, like you said, there's no guarantee that he's going to sign in Boston. There's a lot of big question marks for the Bruins this offseason. But you know, like Chris said, he's not going to grab eight million on the market this year. That's just there's no reason, absolutely no. not going to happen. Um, and for him to really express such a dire interest to go to a team like Boston with as many question marks as they have, and already expressing that he's willing to sign for a few seasons, it's by no means a guarantee. But like he's not an idiot. He knows the contracts that guys like Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand and David Pasternak have. It's no guarantee that he's going to take a pay cut. But I think the fact that he's seeking out Boston and before he's even touched a Jersey there is already stating and he would like to be there for a few years might indicate that he's willing to negotiate a little bit, uh, especially after taking the money to run in Buffalo and, and how that backfired for him last season. So, you know, for what you're giving up, the Bruins have a lot more options than they did 24 hours ago or 48 hours ago or however long when you're listening to this. So um, credit to Sweeney. Let's, let's see how it plays out. Yeah, it's made me feel really confident now in this team and their contender status because they were contenders, but I just don't think on paper they had uh, they had it in the bag or really were like, okay, cool, we're we're definitely gonna make a uh, a deep push. I could totally see with what they had, they could have been a first round exit or something like that. I mean, hockey's weird. Uh, you can you can get really hot going in the playoffs and it helps you and stuff. And th this really helps this team. Um, I, it's on paper. We'll see how it translates, but I have a good feeling it's going to translate. Uh, you're going to have some scoring outside of that 
uh, first line, which has been desperately needed. Um, and we're starting to see some of that come back, uh, which is good. So kind of works out good timing there in terms of, I I'm still amazed it didn't take the first round pick to get them. And I think that's actually pretty huge for the Bruins to have that first round pick. We talk about late first rounders kind of just being glorified second rounders, but, um, and I know that this draft class isn't too deep, but, uh, you know, there's still some hidden gems that you can find late first round, and that could actually turn out being huge. You got David Posternock, 25th overall in 2014. Like, um, and granted, I believe that was a deeper draft. There were some uh, great prospects in that one, but like, it, it it it's valuable to hold on to that. It's very and valuable. I, to hold I on don't to think that. the depth of of drafts can be accurately assessed before the like mm-hmm. three years mm-hmm. after the draft so for sure yeah i was gonna say it's taking looking. years yeah yeah so i it, to me it doesn't matter what the perceived depth of the draft is you need those first round picks and i mm-hmm. feel like you kind of want those second third round picks or at least like one of the two especially when you have such a depleted system as the bruins do and you know a given the age of a lot of the star players in, in the Bruins uh, on the Bruins roster right now, you want to have some sort of flexibility, whether it be players who are going to be there when they need to take over or draft capital slash trade chips to move for players that you can acquire to fill in when, you know, players like Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci and Tuka Rask move on. Um, it's it's part of that balance where, you know, we, we've been talking. Hockey's weird. Uh, you want to push all in. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, I feel like Tampa's been really successful at pushing all in, but a lot of that's due to the fact that they have a bevy of homegrown talent that, uh, turned out really well and they've been able to maintain their talent f- without spending an absurd amount of money. I mean, they've, they've made some, some big deals for guys like Ryan McDonough. Um, but then most of it was, you know, small deals like getting Blake Coleman was, was a big one and beefing up their third line. And, and now they're going out to get a guy like David Savard and, you know, that works because they already had some good young talent. And I, I mean, their their core is much younger than the Bruins core is. So they're set up for a longer term. So it's easier to say like, hey, we're going to be okay for the next few years and we can give up our first round picks. And the Bruins don't have that luxury. So right. it, it is more of a tightrope act for a team like the Bruins. And it's good to see deals like this like the mike riley deal too where you're giving up a third round pick to get a guy who can help you now and like i said earlier you could potentially find a way to re-sign him in the future um and then you're giving up a second round pick for a guy like taylor hall who could potentially help you down the line already um these are that is good use of assets asset management in hockey is super important and i think um, a lot of people have been, you know, getting on Don Sweeney to give up everybody, everyone's available. Like, let's get a, let's get a star. Let's make a game changing move. And, uh, I think at this point in the franchise's, uh, curve, 
you don't want to do something like that or like giving up a guy like Jack Stadnika or one of your goaltending prospects could really could really kill you in the future, especially when hockey is so random and you could go absolutely all in and still get torpedoed in the first round. Yeah. And that, that would just look so bad. Yeah. I'm really excited to see uh, just kind of a re-energized Taylor Hall. I mean, again, I don't, obviously he's what three years removed at this point from a hard trophy. I don't think we're expecting that by any means, but um, has obviously been in some, some bad situations recently and throughout his career and uh, to see him so excited to come to Boston um, and having that mutual interest uh, and, and being injected right into a team that's like in the, in the playoff hunt right now. Um, I'm really excited to see what he can do. I mean, a lot of people have pointed to like, for example, his, his shooting percentage is way down this year. I think it's like 2.3% or something like that I saw, um, which, yeah, 2.3% his career average is about 10%. Um, not saying he's going to make that jump, but if he can pop it up above 2.3%, which I think is a very reasonable expectation to 6 7 8%, that can be a, a game changer that can ultimately win you games. And, and with somebody like Taylor Hall, he's not necessarily a sniper by any means. Uh, obviously has the ability to score and has a decent shot when he's got a chance, but... Is a really good puck mover, um, similar to Krejci. So we're gonna have to find somebody on that line who can finish. Um, Craig Smith is a great option, <clears throat> and uh, but look, I mean, having 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 a legitimate second line for the first time in like maybe a decade, <laughs> and again, this isn't necessarily gonna last forever. So it's not like, hey, we finally found that solution for David Krejci that we've been looking for for ten years. We, um, we find it in the last year of his fucking contract. Yeah, but <laughs> we did it. The juggling, <laughs> like throughout the juggling mission accomplished, throughout the juggling that, that we've seen on the second line, at the very least throughout the rest of the season, there should be a little bit more consistency, even if injuries do factor in. Um, and the Bruins have some more options that they, you know, obviously defensive depth gets helped a little bit too with these deals. And that's really where it's been the issue, not that the, you know, the, the young D-men who have stepped in have been solid, but between injuries and, and especially as we get down the stretch here and those games meet a little bit more, uh, you don't want to necessarily always be leaning on them. So having that ex- extra depth up and down the lineup could go a really long way. Yeah, yeah. and I think, I was going to say, I think like part of Hall's struggles, like, you know, he's been on a shitty team, which means he has some subpar teammates that can play a role. But also I think just like, like mentally where you are at with that organization. I mean, you get this big payday. The Buffalo is going to be, you know, an on the cusp team making a push to get into the playoffs. Who knows what's going to happen in the future with this team. Uh, things are looking up and then just it all falls apart. And, you know, what he has two goals right now, right? This season. It's so, yeah. And and I th- I really do think it's like, you know, you, you go through cold stretches as a player and you lose some confidence, but you're able to find that confidence in something. But in Buffalo, there's just no source for, to find that confidence, whether it's in yourself or your team. It's just like in one of his interviews, he's like, I'm excited to win games. <laughs> they haven't Curtis, done much Curtis, of that. Curtis <laughs> Lazard said in Buffalo, they found a lot of creative ways to lose games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is some uh, candor you don't, necessarily always see from hockey players um also yeah. pretty exciting that I, these guys get to just like turn around and go play the sabers which one yeah you get you get like five 
revenge games from those guys. Uh, mm-hmm. And two, I mean, even if you didn't have them, you're just playing the Sabres. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of hammering the Taylor to... Hall puck line here. <laughs> Absolutely. Pretty, pretty excited to get to like speed bag that fucking depleted team like the sabers without taylor hall <laughs> yeah especially and with the- like how many sabers tokens the bruins have left this season they should be cashing those in <laughs> for sure um so as a little extra seen, sweet under the pot there yeah as we've seen they've struggled against some uh some Bad team. struggling they haven't, team. They haven't yeah. struggled against the sabers so much so uh in their what two games yeah, um, small sample size. Yeah. Uh the the other thing to watch out for though is the the Rangers are kind of surging. The uh the, the worry is no longer the Flyers even though the Bruins didn't really do their job of dispatching the Flyers. They they took a game and a point which was I I get I, I think it was a split, right? Three game three game set and they split it uh three points each. Um which at least prevented the Flyers from advancing but then the flyers went and uh, got their asses kicked by the rangers and the rangers are kind of searching right now and the bruins do have to play the rangers a few times um and that that could be an interesting finish to the season and i think uh you know these these moves are all made um with your eye on the playoffs but one you want to be able to have these players get their feet wet in some real hockey games and i think you know some savers games are really good games to get their feet wet but also having some real meaningful games against the Rangers are really, uh, really good for getting prepped for the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Um, we haven't done this in a while, but uh, we don't have a schedule for it yet, but I'm just going to do it. The Hockey Podcast Network has something they'd like to say. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What did I just listen to? Oh, this game. This game is this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh. I actually they actually made me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melted? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network. Yeah. It's a short go and check sweet, out. too. I usually go check out Sporty, yeah. yeah. Yeah, go check them out. Go to group they got there. Chris My is bad. Do you have any takes? <laughs> Hopefully he comes back with a dog. That would be ideal. Uh where from here? There he is. Oh, there it is. Dramatic entrance. Ooh, wow, look is. at that. Going in it's style. It is. That that and was we're impressive back. hardcore there, bro. Um so from here, do we have do we have more trade talk or shall we move on to the next little I d- I did want to like further discuss Mike Riley. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. We haven't talked about him too much. Because so we, it's the state of the union here, uh, Bruins defense. Um, you know, you're playing with basically an AHL team, um, and who really knows what the long term health of of Matt Grizzlick and Charlie Coyle and uh, Brandon Carlo are. Um, you know, I think. 
Brandon Carlo were kind of thinking is dealing with shoulder injury or concussion, upper body, something. I think uh, I think Cassidy said it wasn't a re-aggravation of the concussion, but um, then McAvoy, do we know what that is? No, I just saw him sitting in a suit, looking hella scared uh, in, the, in the upper deck, watching the eight eight to one loss that became an instant meme. So I think he's Ooh. just, yeah, I think he's just depressed. That's not not sorry that I missed that. I uh, oh I yeah, t- same. I I tuned out after the second goal. Um, I guess it was the third goal. I don't know. I had made the decision to tune out after the second goal, and I think I witnessed the third one. Um, and then uh, Matt Grizzlick, I mean, just hounded by injuries this year, and that's that's tough. And obviously, we're hoping all of those guys are good to go for the playoffs. And tough to see it. I mean, tough to know, but also it would be it would be a really tough go uh, without those guys. But I think when you trade for a guy like Mike Riley, that kind of gives you that option of you know maybe a middle pairing guy who can probably move up and play on the power play um and somebody who especially this year has been pretty good defensively but over the course of his career has been an absolute monster in terms of possession numbers and you know getting his team to score really good on the primary assist numbers which means he's you know, if you haven't watched him play, which I haven't at all, uh, generally means he's a really solid passer, um, finding guys who can convert on uh, high danger scoring percentage, high danger scoring chances. And uh, I mean, getting a guy like that for a third round pick, especially in the dire straits the Bruins were in, um, really, really good move. Yeah, I just read somewhere that he, uh, you know, obviously, five on five scoring has been the big harp of the Bruins throughout the season, and uh, like Chris said, he's great at generating assists, especially five on five. He's second in the league in uh, five on five assists per sixty, behind only Kale McCarr, which is Humanous. really impressive and should help. Yeah, and not necessarily like that one piece that we needed uh, to push us over, but should help, uh, especially with the defensive woes the Bruins have had over the last couple weeks and stuff. So. Um, Obviously not the headliner, but one of those sneaky Don Sweeney moves that could really pay off down the stretch. Yeah, I was trying to find a quote from Riley. I think I saw it on Facebook. I was looking on Instagram, and I have no idea where it is now. But uh, he was saying, like, the main thing he's heard about the Bruins is how tight-knit the locker room is and how, like – excited he is i'm paraphrasing i wish i had the quote because he worded it so damn well um but he's like excited to be introduced to that and kind of get involved he said that's like one of the most enticing things about coming to boston is you know beside their contender status or making a playoff push but to come into uh just a like an environment like that i think and we've heard that before from uh, what was it? Tenorti, he said, uh, after he uh, fought uh, Tom Wilson during the interview, he said, he said it's such a tight-knit group. And, uh, and, you know, he's being, especially after that, he was inaugurated. I don't know. Uh, fucking, 
you know, brought into that melted, meshed. (laughs) I'm not editing it out. He was just brought into it. They they caught the Tin Man. They gave him his heart. (laughs) After a long trip down the Yellow Brick Road. Ensconced? What? Definitely, definitely the wrong word, but I like it. I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm using it. Oh, it's a word. Uh, it is, that's... yeah. <laughs> what is it? It means to be like enveloped. No, the word that I had said. Oh, the word I repeated you're it wrong. For? I just said I don't think that's a word. What I had said. Oh, I thought you meant ensconced. <laughs> no, ensconced is a word. <laughs> yeah. No, but I said like encumbered. I don't know what I said. I don't think you said a word. I think you just gave up on it. <laughs> Yeah, probably. But anyway, hey, yeah, so I think that's like, and that's a great reputation to have around the league. If players talk about like how, like, were you looking for integrated? Yes. Thank you. Um, I think, yeah, that's just such a, that's such a great uh, reputation to have because it's obvious that not all teams are that way. And even like, good teams who do have close players it really seems like the bruins just have that rep as being one of the most tight-knit groups in the league and i mean that's something that really helps you win championships when you love the guys you're playing with like family um and are not just colleagues but are actually really good friends with them uh that that's fucking huge um and i expect that the new trio coming in will be integrated into that uh, really really excited right for the curtis lazar trent frederick bromance that's inevitably gonna happen <laughs> i mean another man with three first names curtis lazar you know oh the the other mike <laughs> riley thing i'm excited for is i i was just like i don't know I, I looked up his his fancy stats on evolving hockey and uh i was like impressed by that stuff but then i went to my fantasy league and i was like why don't why doesn't anybody own this guy and it's because he just never scores goals, but um, he he averages somewhere between like one and a half and two and a quarter hits per game, depending on how you cut up the season. But I think he's around two per game over the, over the course of the season, Um, which I think Bruins fans will be a fan of like a, a guy who can move the puck and also take the body. So, Oh, you know, they love taking the body. Take the bodies, hit the floor. Take the bodies, hit the floor. Take the bodies, hit the floor. Hit the floor. All right. Ah! Um, ooh, all right. That's not the end of the episode. That wasn't our sing out. Might be later. But uh, uh, I wanted to move on to some goaltending if uh, we don't have anything else to say. Well, we, on can, the... uh, we can talk about the uh, UMass uh yeah, we should do that. NCAA we actually should. men's hockey national championship. Uh, I don't have too much to say because I literally got home from work, changed, and then like I came downstairs and my mom was like flipping through channels and found the game with 23 seconds left and paused it. So literally I just saw the last 23 seconds of the game and saw that it was 5 nothing. I knew they were playing and everything, but I had not kept tabs on the game at all. And then to just see that it's like okay cool i'm just gonna like watch a championship celebration right now for and i think a program that it was their first national championship and it's just amazing to see and you know i heard all the commentary after about the hurdles they had to 
<laughs> I was gonna say the hurdles they had to jump through as if it was the hoops they had to you jump. You have to jump. You have to jump through some hurdles. For an English minor, I'm doing fantastic <laughs> right now with the vocabulary. Um, but yeah, just a great site. And you know, I'm not like a UMass guy or anything, but I'm a Massachusetts guy, and it's always great to see that. And Chris, you're an Amherst guy, so that's ooh, bad pronunciation there. Um, Amherst. Yeah. So Amherst. Amherst. <laughs> Uh, being, being, uh, a UMass guy, I'm not, I'm not a, I, I wasn't like a UMass student. I, I did take a class there, but. Oh, um, so then you're, you're a UMass grad. Yeah. I'm, I'm an alum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, my, my dad is a, a UMass alum. I grew up in Amherst or around Amherst. I grew up going to the Mullen center and watching hockey games and, um, so I do have a, a real emotional attachment to this team. And uh, it's it's weird that they've gone through stretches of being competitive in the ho- in Hockey East. And uh, like that was always cool. I was just, they were always like good when I was a kid. And then over the past, you know, decade, they've gone through stretches of being completely irrelevant. And, um, you know, when uh coach Greg Carvel came in uh really turned the program around and and definitely you know brought them back to relevance in the hockey east and then you know eventually brought them to their first frozen four um two years ago which was the last one that happened and you know uh, Kale McCarr being the big player on the on that team but also uh you know getting players like john leonard on there the current nhl players though there i think there were like three current nhl players that were on that team and uh the that that was the team that i kind of assumed was going to be the the one chance at a national championship for the umass program and kind of fade back into being you know one of the top five programs in hockey east and um turns out that was wrong they just came right back and won the next one and on the way beat Minnesota Duluth, the team that beat them in the final last time around um, in overtime and in the most exciting game for me in the uh, Jesus dogs, <laughs> Jesus dogs, that, Superstar. I'm, I'm like, that dog has lived there the whole time. And oh, it's the neighbor one. Yeah. And I thought it was yours. No, my my dogs are are pretty good while we're recording. The the neighbor dog just <laughs> that, that dog has lived there like the whole time we've had this podcast. It's just like recently been super annoying while we're recording. Usually, I think they keep him inside while uh, like in the night hours, but not today. Um, I hope they so, listen to the podcast and just like make the dog bark. Yeah, fuck uh, with you. <laughs> just like fuck this guy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but a really, really great run to the to the championship. I think, uh, you know, Drew, you said it well. Like a lot of a lot of adversity being faced here. Uh, obviously, missing uh, your top goal scorer and your starting goaltender, and a pretty good depth scorer uh, in that semifinal, and still gutting it out, and you know, dominating down the stretch in the third period, and absolutely destroying in overtime and um one of those overtimes where it felt inevitable that umass was going to lose because they were dominating so bad it's just one of those things where like 
things are going too well here. There's no way they win it. And then they ended up scoring that game winning goal. And then yeah, just went on to obliterate St. Cloud state and sorry to St. Cloud state and the waffle fry guy, but that was a, <laughs> an absolute beating. Um, yeah. Some, something I, I honestly never thought I would see, uh, but really excited about it. Um, super happy for all my UMass fam. It's pretty cool seeing the minor but larger than expected overlap for me, uh, people that I follow on Twitter who are also UMass people. So that was cool um, getting to connect with people. And obviously Chanel is uh, one of our good friends and she's a, a UMass person, uh, a current student, soon to be alone. But um, cool. Yeah. Uh, awesome stuff. Really pumped about that. I was I was very excited and it's cool to, you know, just be the kind of person who brings championships wherever he goes. <laughs> yeah, that's all you. They should be thanking you. Uh no, really cool run from them. Obviously, um like really well scripted in in the sense like you said with uh with them coming back and, and beating Duluth and then um it's always cool to see a team that lost in the final come back and win it. Um, but I thought it was especially cool, like just how, how, how much of a, like a team effort it was. I mean, you mentioned like two years ago when they were there, obviously Kale McCarr is like the headliner. Uh, not that they weren't a deep team then, but this team only had four draft picks. So, you know, nothing to scoff at in college hockey. That's still a decent number, but you look at teams like, you know, Michigan or Minnesota, they're going to have seven, eight guys drafted, you know, up and down the lineup. Both UMass teams they beat too on the way. Duluth yeah. and, and St. Cloud State all always have a lot of picks. Yeah. And uh, for a team like Massachusetts, and, and that's one of the things that uh, Carvel said after was just like how proud he was to see a team like that that didn't have necessarily that, you know, elite star power. Not to say that they don't have very strong players because obviously they do. Um, but, you know, a team without that number one uh, guy who you know is going to make a huge impact in the NHL to see them uh, just really play a solid team game and. And it really culminating in a five to nothing win. I mean, that's a that's a beatdown. That's there's no question there uh, that that they were the better team. Um, and in kind of a cool moment for them in those final. I think it's something that uh, the broadcasters were talking about at the time. But you know, there's three minutes left in the national championship, and you're up five nothing. You're not sweating it too much, and yeah. to have that opportunity to to play, especially for the seniors, to play those last couple shifts, um, and really just be able to soak it in and know that like. Not only is this it, but I'm going out winning a national championship. So it's soaking that last couple shifts, and um, that's just the moment that those guys are going to remember for the rest of their lives um, and look back on. And it's awesome for them. And and obviously, being a Bruins podcast, we got a lot of Massachusetts overlap, of course, uh, between Chris and Chanel and everybody. So just couldn't be happier for for them, especially as a, a fan of a college hockey program that I also think will never win a national championship in my <laughs> lifetime. It's pretty cool to see it, it happen for some other teams. Uh, and, and let me know there's a little bit of hope there. So, Also, uh, yeah. shout out to uh, Bruins diehard friend Ethan Nash, uh, UMass guy, and also uh, future guest Evan Marinovsky, who's a UMass guy. Yeah, I was, uh, it, I, I had some. Wow, I'm really struggling this this week, huh? Uh, I had something I was going to say. Oh, yeah, no, no, the head the head coach after the game. Uh, Greg Carville, yeah. Yeah, he, in an interview, he was asked, like, because they, apparently they took a timeout with like three minutes left uh they asked what he told them he's like just soak this in 
Uh, he was like, I, I'm like 50 years old or whatever. And, uh, you know, this is as good this as good it gets. As good, yeah. and, <laughs> and especially, you know, for those players who like know they're not going to go on Most to play. Most are not going to play pro hockey. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They know this is the lot. Like, yeah, they'll go on and play beer league. Maybe they'll go and play in Europe or some, you know, some other league. But this is, you know the end of the road for most of them and uh you know to go out on top i think for any player in any sport to go on top absolutely the best way to do it and yeah now while we're talking college hockey real quick (laughs) (laughs) real quick while we're talking college hockey uh there's a big news up here in Maine and, and it was brought up on that broadcast and some other stuff, but the unexpected passing of uh UMaine head coach Red Gendron uh, last week, um, some kind of health complication while he was playing golf and died unexpectedly. Um, I know it hit close to home for a lot of people up here, obviously, uh, even being far away from Ornell here in Portland, uh, UMaine draws pretty well and, um, uh, you're talking new Maine. It's it's a lot of hockey. Obviously, is their main program. Um, so from everything that I've seen about him, uh, was a tremendous guy. I was talking to our sports director, and he was saying how he was texting with him earlier that morning, just trying to set up an interview with Jeremy Swayman at the time. Um, but you know, and that that stuff just happens. You know, what I mean, it's obviously really tragic, but um, a big loss in the in the college hockey community this week. So just want to extend some sympathies there for sure. Yeah, and while we're on the the sad, like tragic, sudden stuff, the one year anniversary of uh, Colby Cave's death and the yep. the ceremony there, um, saw some really really beautiful tributes. Um, maybe a maybe a little faux pas on the NHL's side making uh, Edmonton play after after doing that ceremony, but um, yeah, Connor McDavid speaking out about that, and and that's you know, good on him for, for doing that. Cause that, that probably wasn't the right move, but. Um, nice to see McDavid of all people saying something to typically a guy who really keeps to himself. So to see him and obviously um, not someone who is necessarily like embraced the spotlight as in a face of the NHL, but obviously somebody who hockey fans know and respect and, and to see him come out and say that definitely. But also goes to show you how much of a footprint, Colby Cave left. Uh, I mean, just yeah. every one of his teammates absolutely love that guy and would go to battle with him uh, on any day because, I mean, so many tributes coming out. And, you know, shouts to Emily Cave uh, holding strong through all of this. Yeah, yeah I want. I just want to go back to Gendron for a second because I, when I was covering BU uh, for the hockey writers, uh, I went to probably like, 50% maybe a little less of BU's home games but uh I w- made a point to go to the Maine game because uh I don't know it's Maine I, I love Maine but uh you know I got to go do the, like the press conferences and stuff after um and and not to like shit on the other coaches but a lot of the times when you have a like a losing coach and they're away you know they're not talking to their home press or anything they kind of have some short answers or a little bit like kind of like get me out of here <laughs> kind of attitude and gender. Not at all. He was like, even when the uh, main had lost, they, he was like really friendly and really wanted to talk about the game. It seemed and uh, just one of the warmer 
coaches that during that my time there in those press conferences uh just seemed like an amazing guy uh yeah very very unfortunate all right shall we talk some goalies <laughs> yeah um yeah, we got we got Swayman and Vladar uh, due to the uh, Tuka Rask stuff going on in Halak being on COVID protocol. Uh, we've seen we've seen Vladar before, and we talked about Vladar before, and I think we've talked about our excitement for Swayman, but I don't think we've touched upon seeing Swayman. I don't think we've recorded since Swayman's mm, had uh, had uh, his opportunities, and I mean, I myself as Team Swayman for life. Uh, very, 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 very happy. What I've seen. Um, was he even a net for that eight-one game? Because I didn't watch that. No, that was a Vladar. All right, sweet. All right. Wait, cool. I didn't see the end. Maybe that also was it. not um, on Vladar by any means. No, I know, yeah. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I just, I just didn't yeah. want like you know, like eight goals against. <laughs> I mean, Swayman and Vladar were both victim. Uh, yeah. This week to the AHL defense. Yep. But you know what? They they're used to playing with them, so they should have done better. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, no, great to see Swayman. Like we like my thought has been um, you know, Rask or Halak are gone uh the next season, whether it's Rask retires or like Rask stays on, they re-sign him and then they move on from Halak. And I thought Vladar would be the backup, uh, them wanting to have Swayman more starting minutes in the AHL. But I think when you're looking at trying to have the best tandem you can at the NHL, I think as it stands right now, obviously small sample size, Swayman. I think even if you get like, you know, 20 games out of him, I think that's way more valuable to your team than having him in the minors developing. I think he can, he's shown that he can stand up to this NHL like level and perform well and just keep giving him reps, even if it's once in a while in the NHL. I say, I say stick with him. Ooh, disagree. Ooh, let's go. We rarely have like heads button on the podcast. This is good. This is good content. Let's go. I, First take. <laughs> I had I had a take. Uh, the, there was a goal in the so I one there was a goal in the the Flyers game that Swayman played where uh, Shane Gostaspare scored top shelf on kind of a cross ice pass. Um, and he went down really early and exposed a large portion of the net. And I kind of went, Ooh, like, I hope that's not a problem. And I don't know if that is going to be the problem because I've seen him do it a couple of times and it hasn't, uh, come back to bite him yet a second time. But the other thing I noticed, I mean, I think everyone's noticed is he's a very aggressive goalie and he comes off, he comes off the line to, you know, cut down the angle and make sure that there's not a lot of net to shoot at. And it literally took two games um, for someone to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to pass it now <laughs> and uh, leave a wide open net. And obviously some of that is to blame on the defense. Uh you know, you got an AHL defense in front of you and you, you kind of maybe expect the goaltender to realize that and maybe be a little less aggressive in that situation. But if you take a still of what happened on that goal that he got beat uh, in that bad position, um, 
there were, I think, four Bruins players on one half of the ice, on the opposite half of the ice as the goal was scored. And, you know, you probably want somebody. Um, but also at the same time, you had Connor Clifton covering a portion of the net. Um, and Swayman could have positioned himself differently knowing that Connor Clifton was there cutting down that angle. And um, so I, I think that is something that he has to work on in his game. And he really doesn't have a lot of pro minutes. And I think next year, giving him that time in the AHL could be hugely beneficial, especially, um, you know, playing in a league where it's a little less structured and uh, a lot of the onus is on the goaltender to make uh, more saves on, on, on plays like that, where it's uh, maybe your defense isn't going to be in the right position all the time. And, and you got to kind of go out on your own and make sure you're making that save. Um, And I do think he has the skills. I I, I don't think anyone's going to, debate whether he has the skills to make insane cross ice sale like coming across the net uh totally splayed out um he has that flexibility he has that athleticism um kind of kind of reminds me of of jonathan quick a little bit in that sense um speaking of, of umass uh but uh I, I think dan vladar has had that time and is a little more polished and at the same time, I don't want Jeremy Swayman playing those 20 games you were talking about. I want Jeremy Swayman getting that full slate of games because, you know, I, I think on the on the last podcast we were talking, I, I was more on the like, hey, man, let's pump the brakes on Swayman's the guy and uh, l- let's give Daniel Ladar some shine. Um, at the same time, I, I, I think you want the guy who's more polished right now to be the backup. And I mean, if you are going into next season with a tandem of of Vladar and Swayman, I think maybe you're a little bit in trouble. But yeah, I think I'd probably want Swayman the head of that tandem right now. Yeah, I think uh, what you went back to about the uh, kind of aggressiveness, I don't want to call it an issue yet, but um, a potential hole there. Um, I would say exactly what I was going to jump in and say. I saw uh, Andrew Raycroft actually was tweeting about it right after that goal. I, f- um, I forgot just kind to of pointing out that tweet. That was that was one thing I saw that was like an agreement with a thing that I got roasted for on Twitter. Yeah, no, 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 and and that's absolutely right. Um, I mean, again, small sample size, maybe just a mental lapse or something. Um, but take it from a guy who started a lot of games in the NHL, Andrew Raycroft knows what he's talking about. Well, I thought um, you were going to say you take it from a guy who started a lot of games. In yeah, me, okay, Hasbrook. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's a, something to look into at least, but, um, the Bruins are fortunate. Look, I mean, uh, to, to have two guys that, you know, realistically can jump into that role. I don't think like Chris, that you don't want them to be the guys you're relying on, but to have two young options as somebody that you can potentially jump into a backup situation next year. Um, it's good that the Bruins aren't necessarily handcuffed and, and have to move both of those guys up. So maybe you do move the R up cause he looks like he is a capable NHL goalie at this point. Um, I don't think, you know, we're writing home about or anything, but um, as a backup, I think he could be serviceable. And giving Swayman maybe a year in the NA, in the AHL to to develop that game a little bit more. Like we said, he is still so young, and both of these guys are really. Um, and, and you look at the the goaltending trajectory path; like it could take a while. So, uh, for the the long term benefit of of him and and you know, vis a vis the Bruins, it might be helpful to get him a full season in the AHL. Um, but the Bruins are fortunate enough to at least have some options there and, and have that discussion. I also think it's hilarious. I was looking for that tweet. I Googled Andrew Rakoff Swayman 
And I got an article from NHL.com, which is Bruins acquire goaltender Tuka Rask. So I clicked on that one. It was the fifth most relevant <laughs> one, uh, fourth one, just to see what they were saying about Rask when the Bruins acquired him in 2006. Um, from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. For, for Andrew Raycroft, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, they, of course, they they compared him to like another Finnish goaltender who I don't know. But, you know, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to be early on this because, you know, the career's not over or anything, but I think the Bruins won that trade. I don't know, man. He can't win the big games. That's the thing. Yeah, I don't know. Raycroft could <laughs> because you know what Raycroft did? Andrew Raycroft he took the famously, famously, famously won the Stanley Cup with uh, Toronto. Ray, Raycroft, you know, he took the body. He was a physical presence, fought, body, you know. like fought a lot. Body hit the floor. <laughs> Um, in defense of my Swayman take, so I I, I agree with your reasoning because that's where I've been at for even like I think I tweeted like three days ago that that's what's gonna happen. They're gonna have Ladar be the backup, but I I I'd like to see him get some NHL reps next season. I would like to see that, and I think studying under someone like Tuka Rask would be super beneficial and it would be beneficial to get those games in the AHL, but I don't want to see it get to the point where he's not really being fully tested and that it's more like practice runs in the AHL. I'd like to see him get some time. Um, and especially if you see, obviously the eight one loss wasn't Vladar's fault, but if you, you know, if Vladari becomes a streaky guy, then you do, if you're pushing for a cup, you do want your best two goalies at the NHL level. If that happens to be Swayman, then bring him up. Even if that winds up being halfway through next season, bring him up. You want your, your two best guys there. There we go. I think that's the rest of the 15 seconds. Swayman going to give it to you. Swayman going to give it to you. See, I don't understand. What the fuck is Swayway? We'll never understand, Drew. Just out of it. It's all right. It's okay. Just let it happen. Just let it happen. It's okay. I just I, I love how it was on the news because you made it. You made I was it like, on the news. I was like Googling what Swayway is because I figured it was a reference to something. And no, you just like put it on the news. There's like a very like mild that. reference to like Treyway, which is like a was like a little cultural icon from like not even icon, cultural like little tidbit from like a rapper. But that wasn't even just it. Just works. It's just we we all are we. What is the way? Swayway. Swayway is the way. Okay. I mean, I mean, like it was not only you putting it on the news, but also like Drew tweeted something out and you were like, this was the perfect opportunity to do like hashtag Swayway. Yeah, dude. Look, if you guys are hating, (laughs) no question mark at all. I thought Drew of all people would be on on board with the Swayway, but if you guys want to hate on it, then then I'll keep hating on it. I just don't fucking understand it. (laughs) I'm not going to get on board with something I don't understand. It gets the people going, all right? That's, it, what it, that's what it's all about. This is a good reminder. Okay, this is a good reminder that Cam has a lot of sway right. <laughs> being in the the media and being able to put that shit up. So, um, if like Cam, you have the, the ability the to dictate. Media. Yeah, you have the ability to dictate, like, just like society. I think and, the media should have less power than they do, and especially Cam. 
especially Cam. We are the media. Kind yeah, of, though, so. <laughs> though I do trust Cam to have like the right take on on things. Swayway, yeah. maybe not. Indie but, Bruins you know. media over here. So you're hating <laughs> on Swayway. Are we indie? We're signed to a label. We're not indie anymore. I don't think. Oh, we are signed. <laughs> did, did I send you guys the meme? Yeah, DraftKings. Oh, I did. I did. Yeah. I sent. Yeah, the, the, I sent it to the group chat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was sad that uh, that Lancey didn't get to see. You got to send that to Lancey. I'll send it to yeah. Lancey. It's a Lancey, great meme. Big Father John Misty head. So, I I didn't even know who it was in it. I just loved the meme. Oh, it's, it's Father John Misty. Okay. I I don't know who that is. But... You want to sing some Father John Misty? I'll just take a hard turn out of DMX. If we want to sing out to that, sure, do it. Is it time to know. sing out? Or are we ready? Is to it time or we got more? I don't know. I do we have more? I don't know. I have nothing else on my agenda. I don't know. I was hoping someone would like jump in so we could have like a friend on this call. But mm-hmm. should well, we call it Mikey? Well, I had to leave soon though. I gotta get up. And I already sent him the vaccine. Link. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. I think we could wrap it up here. Uh, if someone joins, we'll have that little off pod combo. But uh, thank you for listening to this. I hope it was a good. I felt like it was good. I think we had some more hockey talk than we've had in the past like seven episodes combined. So that was great. Um, and yeah, sing it out to that guy that was in the meme I sent. It really I couldn't have been a better time. This. I never felt this in my whole life. You are my I thought you were going to stop the ball, and I was like, whoa, whoa. People are boring, but you're something else I can't explain. You take my last name. Uh, so, yeah, just, uh,